Hello and welcome to London Coronavirus Podcast, a daily independent pod brought to you by a couple of Londoners in the heart of a horrible time. We really do endeavour to offer up a little bit of light relief. On the pod today, it was a bit of an Easter Friday mishmash, and I've got to say, pretty wacky as well. Live on the pod, we were guided through a chocolate meditation experience. We also had our first edition of our Quarantine Choir. We talked pandemic purchases and a whole lot more, including... What does coronavirus sound like? I was joined today for pod number 25, ladies and gentlemen, by Mr. James Ware. James, whenever my phone flashes these days and the name James Ware pops up on the screen, I've genuinely learned to expect the unexpected. So when I read a WhatsApp late this afternoon just saying, got a chocolate meditation expert on the show, it's a sign of the times that I thought, yeah, that, that seems pretty normal. And James, that feature and our experience of it certainly did not disappoint this rather bizarre Friday evening. I'm surprised that both of us haven't been cut off by our phone network providers yet, Dave, because the amount of bandwidth we've been using up picking each other messages for the past 25 days has been putting some strain, if necessary strain, on the network. But I really haven't help compile today's pod was not ready for the oral adventure that I was about to embark on. I'm quite glad we have a long weekend to digest all that we've experienced today. But for all of our listeners looking for something to really make this feel like a different weekend and a different day to normal, as I know everyone wants this Easter, this is the pod for you. James, we're here every single day on London Coronavirus Podcast. Enjoy the pod. James, before we attempt to provide 35 minutes of distraction for our loyal listeners, I do have to say that Easter weekend is always a time, of course, in the UK and globally for families to get together and I'm, of course, very sad not to see my own family this weekend, but even more so, I've got to say I'm so sad by some of the numbers coming out of the UK today. Really, really frightening and saddening all at the same time. So many families that have lost someone today on uh, on Easter Friday, April 10th, 2020. However, James, there are two things slightly more positive, I think, and two things that the Brits love coming into full force. Firstly, chatting about the weather, and secondly, queuing. <laughs> two real focal points of British culture and recently we've had plenty of ammunition for both because it was a very bright and sunny day again today beautiful spring weather we've been having in the capital really has been lovely but perhaps more importantly the two meter barometer which you so accurately described a few pods ago as taking over the mantle of 100 meters as mankind's most noteworthy marker has kind of fed into our love and appreciation of queuing I think as well and I know we've both noticed that supermarkets are starting to set out a kind of framework for us to really showcase the British talent of queuing. Yeah, I think regardless of the health impacts further down the line, I find it very hard to imagine that people are going to return to not queuing before they go into the supermarket because that really feels like you're not getting any supermarket foreplay in 
People are really enjoying it. They're <laughs> reveling in it out there. I won't be told otherwise, especially in the sun. And it is funny, you've hit the nail on the head, Dave, that people are worried about would this bank holiday feel like a bank holiday? Well, it feels like the most British bank holiday ever because the weather has never been so topical. And we've done our best to push it to the top of the headline agenda for many, many decades now, centuries. But it's never been so topical having this hot weather when people are meant to be staying at home. And also, queuing has just never taken on this definition. I mean, I know it was a great loss to the queuing walls that Wimbledon was cancelled and that was already announced. But... (laughs) Some of the queues that have replaced that, I think, have more than made up for it. I walked past the first supermarket I'd seen today outside of Waitrose where they have pink cones lined up looking ready for some kind of quite intense professional athletes drill. It was like training outside (laughs) the supermarket, semi-pro supermarket. And then you told me that you've had that for weeks at your Waitrose. Well, I want enrolling in this supermarket (laughs) academy. Where's my free training package? That's obviously where some of the Olympic funding's going. But it has been weird today. I went for a really long walk around Hyde Park and I found it particularly striking today that it should be the beginning, well, it is in its own way, the beginning of a four-day bank holiday, a real bumper weekend. The weather couldn't be more perfect for it. And yet it's just eerily empty. There are these moments with this whole thing where you just inescapably are struck by it, even at this stage of it. And I really felt that today. I was like, this park should be heaving. But really it was just the old person going for a stroll. So it is weird that that's still coming home. And then you have it in small moments, don't you? Like many people... I know myself, I had travel plans within the UK this weekend only a month ago, and obviously those aren't possible. Loads of people had domestic or international travel plans. Those aren't possible. Another moment was just before this podcast, I was paying for something online, and it had one of those billing drop-down menus, and it started alphabetically, Mm. so it presumed that I was probably in Afghanistan, and then I dropped down and scrolled down through like an (laughs) A to Z of every country in the world. And I genuinely was like, I was like a kid with their first spinning globe. Like, I was like, wow, su- such an exotic world we live in. So I feel like, actually, weirdly, people were worried about whether this would feel like a bank holiday. I feel like the bank holiday is really magnifying the strangeness of this. And in a weird way, maybe more British than ever, as you're saying, Dave. I think that's fantastic. I, t- I wonder where you were going with that for a while, James, the drop down of the countries that you couldn't possibly be in, right? And I think you're more attuned than most to picking up on these kind of cues, these relics from a pre-corona era. But I know just in terms of queuing, and I, you know, I love queuing as much as anyone. I've had quite a lot of queuing smiles, you know, people smiling to each other, perhaps more than they would do, as I think I spoke about a few pods ago. But my mum texted me this morning, actually, and she said uh, she started queuing conversations. And she said today she had a lovely conversation with a, with a ballet <laughs> dancer in the just in the two meter the two meter slot behind her in the queue to the supermarket so what i thought i was doing quite well and i thought my local area was as well you know we're absolutely chock-a-block full of queuing smiles and everyone's behaving themselves and the cones are out to make sure people are two meters apart but my mum down in brighton i mean they're up a different level there james and i feel like the capital perhaps is lacking behind in some respects Yeah, I feel like the security guard at my local supermarket. In fact, there are several on a shift pattern, and quite rightly so, because that is not an easy gig right now. But I genuinely feel that, like, 
if I was asked to count my 10 closest friends in the world right now that I'd sort of have a, a last hurrah if you were allowed to host such a thing, they would all be present. Like, <laughs> I feel such a deep connection with them every time they let me into the shop. They really rocketed up the table of my close friends. So whether it feels like it or not, it is, of course, the Easter bank holiday weekend. And everyone is trying to find a way, it seems, to mark that in a way which is maybe slightly more constrained than normal. But one thing that we can all enjoy, which is key to a modern Easter, if not necessarily the traditional one, is, of course, chocolate. And many of us have been overindulging in it as kind of symptom relief, as Dave and I certainly have these past few weeks anyway. So maybe we didn't quite complete Lent and earn it. But nevertheless, we can indulge in some Easter chocolate. But if you're looking for this to be a bit more than just wolfing some down and sitting at home <laughs> feeling dreadful, then have no fear. We've got you. Because chocolate meditation is a thing. And I came across this. I was looking at some of the wackier online classes which could get my Easter weekend off to a flyer and came across chocolate meditation. was like, we've got to have some of that on the show. And we're delighted to be joined by one of the leading chocolate meditating guides. It's Meredith Whiteley, who is Chief Chocolate Officer. Now, I've come across some great job titles researching the podcast from like World Barista Champion to everything you can think of. But that on a LinkedIn page, Chief Chocolate Officer has got to ring out CCO. She's Chief Chocolate Officer at Food at Heart. And she's recorded a special chocolate meditation for us this Easter. So, right now, if you want to pause the podcast and get yourself some chocolate, feel free. You have Dave and mine permission. And then yep. you can come back and we're going to do a chocolate meditation together. We're going to find a real Cadbury Zen on this <laughs> fine Easter weekend. So here is chocolate meditation guru, Meredith Whiteley. Hi, this is Meredith from Food at Heart, and I want to give you a couple of tips for a way that you can get a little more from your Easter eggs this Easter weekend. You can, of course, just gobble down your chocolate as it can be very yummy to do it this way but I'm a meditation teacher and chocolatier and I actually use tasting chocolate as an opportunity to just slow down and take a breath and actually what I do in my sessions um, I run meditation sessions incorporating chocolate is actually very very similar to the way that you taste chocolate like a professional so this is what's called mindful eating and the secret to mindful eating is slowing down taking your time, connecting with all your different senses because all of our senses are involved in taste. So you can do this on your own or with your family and I suggest finding somewhere nice and quiet and putting your Easter eggs in front of you, maybe just choosing one, one you know that you're going to really like and rather than leaping straight into eating it, just stopping, taking a couple of breaths to settle yourself and then working through, as I said, each of the senses with tasting. So you might start by looking at that Easter egg in front of you. 
uh, whether it's still wrapped or maybe unwrapping it a little bit and looking at the chocolate. So noticing what colours you see, the shapes, where the light hits the surface. The next is to touch your chocolate. So you might like to just stroke the surface or break a little bit off and notice how it feels. It might even start to melt between your fingers and if you can, try not to lick them, but maybe rubbing your fingers together a little to enjoy that melted chocolate. Next, you can listen to your chocolate by taking a bit of that Easter egg up to your ear and listen to the lovely snap. And you're not quite ready to put it in your mouth yet, but taking that piece of chocolate up to your nose and breathing in, smelling all those aromas, really enjoying that. And then taking a small piece of chocolate and rather than chewing it, popping it on your tongue, starting to move it around your mouth so that it starts to melt. And there's all sorts of different things that you can pay attention to here. There's something called mouthfeel, which is another form of touch. So whether your chocolate is creamy or dry or grainy, and there's actually another form of smell, our mouth smell. As that chocolate melts in your mouth, all the aromas start to release. And as you breathe out, those aromas are pushed up the back of your nose. And then there's lastly, taste. What you taste on your tongue. Is it sweet, salty, bitter, sour, and umami? So once you've done this, really exploring that piece of chocolate, rather than rushing into the next mouthful, just stopping and noticing how the experience is for you. You can then keep going with your chocolate, just tasting pieces slowly, bit by bit, exploring the different senses. Now, of course, you're totally welcome to gobble down your Easter eggs, but I think this is just a really nice way of finding little moments, especially when things are quite busy and a little bit crazy at the moment, just to slow down, to get really focused and connect with your senses and to enjoy some delicious chocolate too. I hope you have a lovely Easter weekend. Wow. Well, that was fantastic from Meredith James and very, very soothing voice. And listen, whatever you think about meditation, the process of eating, I mean, I'm as bad as anyone. I eat so quickly. And the process of just taking that little bit of time to enjoy whatever it is you're eating makes perfect sense. I've got to say I'm open to most ideas in this world, James, but listening to your chocolate before eating was maybe a step too far for me. But the rest of it, really enjoyed. That was a real sensory journey at a time when we can't go on other journeys, Dave. And I was doing that with a mini egg and it felt more valuable than a Fabergé egg by the end. It, it really was something quite spectacular by the time I was actually eating it. So got some real bang for my buck out of the mini eggs there. And that really worked for me. Like we spoke about supermarket foreplay earlier in the show. Now we're on to chocolate foreplay. It feels like we're really working through that. A strange undercurrent to today's show. But really, really got a lot out of that. And it can be easy with sort of distracting ourselves at the moment to be busier and busier. But I can see how doing that with your food can really, really help you recenter yourself. And for anyone who especially enjoyed that, you can find Meredith on Instagram. She's Meredith underscore food at heart on there. And she does live daily hot chocolate meditations, I believe at 12.15 in the week. So if you want to heat it up a bit more than that, that's the one for you. 
I've got a lot of respect for the fact she does it daily as well, James. I think that's very strong. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. All the best people do. You know what they say. You know what they say about the daily. Yeah, we don't take bank holidays in this business. Well, James, you will recall about a week ago on London Coronavirus Podcast, we ventured to suggest exactly what coronavirus might smell like. And if I recall correctly, mm. you suggested that it might smell like a bit of a musty room that hasn't had enough ventilation in the last couple of days, right? Yeah. And I felt it smelled a little bit like burnt milk, just about to boil. <laughs> but very, very, very clever people at Massachusetts Institute of Technology have ventured to suggest what coronavirus might actually sound like. Now, I've read the article a few times and I'm condensing here, but essentially, you know the the kind of image of coronavirus, that germy type look with the little spikes, James, that a lot of the media are using? Well, yeah. the spikes are essentially chains of proteins which loop and fold over one another. And Marcus Buhler and his colleagues at MIT have assigned each protein a structural form and therefore a musical equivalent. Anyway, the result generated by artificial intelligence is a surprisingly soothing musical score. And it is this. There's another two minutes of that, James. I'm certainly not going to play it all out. I mean, I read out their press release there saying it was a soothing sound. And quite, yeah. I found it quite interesting because at first I did find it quite jarring. There was a couple of notes there that weren't quite in sync and it was a little bit it was a little bit jarring. But actually, 10, 15, 20 seconds in, I kind of got used to it and I felt, yeah, it is, I guess, it is what it is. What, what, I mean, this is super surreal, but what did you think of that? Yeah, kind of a similar experience with them, really, Dave. And I'm glad that my senses were warmed up by that mindful mini egg or, or I think that that could have been like being tickled really hard when you're not expecting it. <laughs> but now I feel ready for this assault on my senses. I'd say for me, that was a little bit like at the start, I was being prodded and poked. But then I sort of realised that I was in a hammock and actually, it was a kind of strange new massage practice. <laughs> and if I relaxed into it, it was actually quite pleasant and definitely beneficial. <laughs> and that's the best way I could explain my experience of that Corona concerto. It's like, have you ever had anyone stand on your back, James? No. Are you offering to be the first? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in a post-corona world, we'll put that in the to-do <laughs> column. But I've just been, if someone ever stands on your back, obviously not someone too heavy. At first, it feels very weird and uncomfortable because it's quite odd to have someone stand on your back. But then it becomes quite satisfying and done correctly. It can kind of help out your chiropractic issues. So, uh, yeah, that that's how I interpreted that sound but i really this is one occasion when there is definitely no right or wrong answer to your emotional response to that noise London, coronavirus podcast.
growing list, the ever-growing lists of lockdown live streams. It's gone from what the heck am I going to do with myself to how the heck am I going to choose what to do with myself? And the choice seems particularly overwhelming this bank holiday weekend with lots of content providers pulling out all the stops. But one of the more interesting people providing a lot of live content online is Airbnb, who closed down all their bookings in the UK this week for anyone who wasn't an essential worker in line with the government regulations. And so understandably have decided instead to promote the experiences they normally offer as like guided tours and things around town, but instead as an online format. And I was checking out a few of these today and there are some really out there ones from like meditating with a Japanese monk in the Japanese mountains to the one that we're going to enjoy together because there was also (laughs) another one. I know lots of people want to relax this bank holiday weekend and actually feel they need that more than ever and yet there may be on as many avenues as you'd normally have to do that. So as well as our senses, we're focusing on that today here on London Coronavirus Podcast. And I came across this experience, which is a cello meditation live from Amsterdam, Mm -hmm. brought to us by the Wong Janis, who instructs you, you start with a cup of tea, and then she talks (laughs) you through and plays these specific pieces that are meant to generate certain emotions. So I thought we all needed... A bit of uplifting this Easter. We needed an Easter resurrection of our own, really, (laughs) over this bank holiday. So Dave and I have been lucky enough to be sent by Janice her ecstasy cello meditation. Words I never thought I'd say there going on the record. So here is some Easter ecstasy for you all. ecstatic would be exactly the adjective I would use. I did find it quite moving, actually. I certainly found it enjoyable. But ecstasy, I guess it depends on what your definition of ecstasy is, really. But that <laughs> but that to me wasn't, uh, I didn't personally feel ecstatic, but I did thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it definitely reverberated, didn't it? I feel like we're more sensitive to these things at the moment with everything that's going on. And also our normal sensory deprivation most of the time with being stuck on doors on doors indoors maybe i'm sticking myself on doors and that's where i'm going wrong but yeah 
it, it, it definitely got me ready for the weekend in a different way to maybe what you'd normally expect. And I, I don't think, I, th- I think I'm going to struggle to ever recreate an experience. I mean, this is like some kind of weird concierge project, isn't it? We've had chocolate meditation. We've listened to the sound of a pandemic causing virus. And we've done cello ecstasy, just your typical <laughs> Friday night in London lockdown. London Coronavirus Podcast, living the quarantine. Next up on London Coronavirus Podcast, we have Living the Quarantine Dream. Now, James, usually this is the section of the pod where we invite our audience and our listeners to let us know exactly how they're surviving and thriving in lockdown. However, we've noticed a bit of a trend and something that we'd like to, to share with everyone, really. And that is that our jingle for Living the Quarantine Dream is, is super catchy. I find myself sort of humming it and singing it as I just go about my, my daily life. And I thought perhaps I was alone. But then people started to message me and say that they also found it very, very catchy. And we, we do have to thank our, our main man, Jeremy Tuplin, for providing the jingle. And mm. some people, James, have started to send in themselves singing living the quarantine dream and we think perhaps we're gonna get enough people eventually to to produce <laughs> potentially produce a little choir of this so here we've got two clips james first is from your your mother and on the back of that is my sister teaching her two-year-old son how to recreate this jingle Living the quarantine dream. Living the quarantine dream. Living the quarantine dream. Living the quarantine dream. So, <laughs> so there we have it, James. That was my sister teaching her two-year-olds how to recreate that jingle, and your mum as well. I. I mean, we've set the bar. I don't know whether that's a high bar or a low bar, but but it's a bar. And we invite our <laughs> listeners to please do send in your living the Quarantine mimics of the jingle. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got our own little Quarantine choir in the making, man. My mum said that completely unprompted too. <laughs> I have to add, Dave looks very ready to be the conductor of this Quarantine <laughs> choir. Dave, I really have heard it all tonight on, on this podcast. No wonder my AirPods broke at the start of recording today's episode. I don't think even Apple premium products are at all ready to handle the oral experience that has been today's Good Friday <laughs> sound special of London Coronavirus podcast. So another feature that's really been building some momentum here on the pod has been pandemic purchases. The weird and wacky things that you're buying because of the current situation which you just normally wouldn't buy. And 
I had one. I can't take full credit for this this week because it was actually ordered by my girlfriend, but it's definitely falling into the pandemic purchase category. And this, to give it a little bit of build up, we suddenly were feeling that it was getting more summery. You know, we saw the weather coming in and we're like, oh, it'd be nice to like make some nice homemade drinks, really be able to enjoy those. And somehow, in the way that things quickly snowball under the current conditions, it was decided that the key ingredient to this beverage setup was going to be metal straws. So we're now the proud owners of this metal straw set that really has all your metal straw needs covered. Now, I'm not like a paid promoter of this. It's not sound like I'm getting a little backhander here, a bit of straw commission. But you get two sets in here. One of the straight straws for just your go-to average beverage. Then the other ones are like these bent metal straws for you know when you're feeling a bit more casual and cool (laughs) about what you're sipping and then the most amazing piece of kit i think this is a pandemic purchase on its own would be right at the top of a league table is a metal straw cleaner which (laughs) if i hadn't known what it was looks very much like some kind of highly specialized toothbrush for someone who's having some emergency cavity treatment but it turns out is in fact how you clean a metal straw (laughs) so i'm gonna be enjoying some bank holiday drinks through my metal straws this weekend so there's a there's a pandemic purchase for the pandemic purchase almost james with the cleaner but one thing that I know when we when we initially talked about this feature, we were kind of we touched on it a little bit in the podcast so far. But I noticed people were buying things very short term, pandemic purchases for the short term. But now we're in this a little, little bit deeper, and it does look like lockdown's going to last another month or so. I wonder if people's pandemic purchases. I mean, the straws, James. That is something that can certainly be used in the weeks and months to come, right? So it's not really a short term. That's a very medium to long term pandemic purchase. Now I just wonder whether we're going to see a shift here. We had Otis the other week with his oat milk and his label maker, which I'd say is a, is a very strong kind of medium-term pandemic purchase. So it'll be interesting to see as we progress whether those purchases are, are more designed for further afield. I had a bit of a regression today, though. Can I tell you about a very short-term pandemic purchase? Go on, Dave. All it was a really, here. a really lazy one, though. I opened my front door this morning to go to the supermarket at about 10 o'clock. And the queue, I opened the door and there was someone stood right in front of the front door of my flat. And I thought, that's pretty weird. And I realised it was the queue to the supermarket, which was about 45 minutes long. And I, I literally opened the door and I thought about joining the queue. And then I was like, no, I just closed the door and I ordered some pancakes from Deliveroo. So that was a very, <laughs> that was kind of a panicky, lazy pandemic purchase. I, I opened the front door of my flat with the intention of queuing for the supermarket. I've never, ever seen someone just stood in front of my flat before facing like facing the, the wrong way, if you like. And I just thought that was so weird. And I was like, how can the queue be that? I've never seen the queue that deep. So I just, I closed the front door, went back to the flat and ordered pancakes. Yeah, it feels like everything's becoming very short-term or long-term one way or another, Dave. Like, I feel like people are either planning 
about 30 seconds ahead or six months <laughs> ahead at the moment and the, the interims yeah. where people get a bit like wobbly like no one knows quite what it's going to look like <laughs> but i applaud your pandemic pancakes i think you very much earned them pandemic purchases Next up on London Coronavirus Podcast, we have Coronavirus Confession, which is, of course, as you know by now, the opportunity for our dear listeners to come in, sit down and offload their sins. False names, false locations, not just accepted, but almost mandatory at this point, I would say. However, that does not apply to when one of your two hosts steps into the confession booth. And today, uh, today, James, because some of our listeners are being slightly shy this Easter weekend, I'm going to go into the confession booth myself. I know that was quite a feature of early editions of London Coronavirus podcast, and I've, I've enjoyed the break, to be honest. But I'm ready to go into the booth again, if that's OK with you, my friend. Of course it is. You're always welcome, Dave. Although I have to say, it feels like today's been a regression view, not just on the pancake <laughs> front to short-term purchases, but back in the booth. But you're welcome anytime. Hi, my name's David. I'm from London. And this is my coronavirus confession. I absolutely love making Instagram stories. Wow, that was far below an Instagram story's 15 second limit, so you've clearly got very practised at this, Dave. I can see that this is a true and honest confession from you, based on how snappy that was. Talk our listeners through this. How, how has this experience been for you? Well, firstly, James, I should say that I'm a hypocrite because for about oh, at least the last two or three years, I've kind of been pretty critical about Instagram stories. I never really understood them. I, to be honest, I thought they were pollution, you know, just digital rain, nothing like what are they? And why on earth would someone have multiple stories? I mean, how important do people think they are? Right. So that was kind of my base position that I, I stuck to that for quite a while. And maybe in the past, I've done the odd story here or there. But but generally, I just thought, you know, what a weird insight into someone's life, completely unnecessary. But then London Coronavirus podcast started. And I thought, yeah, we'll get I'll get involved with the Instagram story, see what's going on here. And James, I mean, now I'm just an Instagram story snob. Like I look at people's stories and I think, where's your narrative? You know, I just <laughs> I, I consider myself somewhere between like a, a high level graphic designer and a copywriter. I'm just obsessed with fitting this story into 15 seconds because it's Instagram story. Right. So I think you have to fit it into 15 seconds and you have to tell a mini story, which actually is really, really tricky. And I really enjoy it. And uh, yeah. And I, I've also noticed myself, you know, when people put because you get 15 seconds to tell the story and you know, when some people kind of just push it nudge it into the next story so it's just a continuation mm. but that's cheating isn't it that's cheating and i've done it myself but every time i do it i don't like myself for it because it's cheating the system you're supposed to do it within 15 seconds anyway you could tell james that i'm fired up about this but there <laughs> is i i've gone from thinking instagram stories were the worst thing in the world to they are the focal point of my day <laughs> such a posting purist I think you're not alone in this, Dave, and thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it feels I feel good, like there, there are many people out there 
who have suddenly become social media gurus in this time. Mm. I'd say what the lockdown has been best for so far in my humble observation has been people's social media content. Lots of people, not just yourself, have raised their game. Home cooking and baking. My Mm. God, the cookery shows are going to be good end of this year, beginning of next year. It's going to be every MasterChef is going to be MasterChef for professionals now that people have had this long inside. It's been very good for strange talents, talent shows as well. They're going to be all the rage when it comes through. And also just for learning, I, I feel like TED Talks are going to be having to happen on a daily basis just for people to get their knowledge out there and kind of cleanse themselves of it. There's been so much learning taken on board. So I think you're actually part of a sort of growing army, Dave, on the Instagram (laughs) front line. And now it's time for the sweet ending to the show that is coronavirus kindness. And this weekend... It only felt fitting for it to take on a bit of an Easter theme. So a couple of stories that really jumped out at me this week from a few of the big supermarkets here in the UK. Now, we've said plenty of times that the people who work in them have been some of the unsung heroes, really, with the way that they've stepped up to what's been a really, really challenging time to be in any of the roles there. And it's good to see the supermarkets themselves as organisations also doing so. A couple of stories, although there have been more of these out there for today's coronavirus kindness. The first is from Lidl, who are donating thousands of their surplus Easter eggs to charities that support vulnerable people. And also to families and patients at Great Ormond Street Hospital, as well as volunteers at NSPCC's Childline. So really spreading a bit of that Easter chocolate goodness to those who need it the most. And along similar lines, the co-op apparently had £2.5 million of advertising booked up for this Easter weekend for their campaigns. They decided that it didn't feel right to use that so instead, they're giving it all to a food bank campaign wow. to advertise how people can support that. So obviously good PR for these supermarkets, but also really genuinely helping to make a difference to some of the people for whom this Easter is going to be even more challenging than it is just for all of us. So great to see that. every edition of London Coronavirus podcast with a quote, something to tee you up for the day and night to come. And today, inspired by pandemic purchases, I've settled on this quote by Hannah Shower. Unfortunately, the stuff I ordered online did not bring me happiness, but I will be conducting the experiment three to four more times just to make sure. <laughs> 